Back to episode three of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings in hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. As always, I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. We are hoping to add a different element to the Digest with interviews and other such content bringing voices names, and faces to interesting people, making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project's mission is to positively shape the dynamic and landscape of the Cleveland hockey community through comprehensive player development and a lifelong commitment in helping each and every athlete to maximize their potential and reach their hockey goals. The Ohio Hockey Project is taking their training beyond the arena during the challenging COVID-19 pandemic. Last week, Ohio Hockey Project debuted the Ohio Hockey Project at-home program. The Ohio Hockey Project at-home is a virtual one-hour session via Zoom five days a week. Owner Russ Sinkowitz is working to prove to his athletes that despite the challenges of the stay-at-home order, they can still get in a very functional training to keep their skills sharp. Sessions feature an array of professionals bringing in their expertise of physical training, mental health, yoga, and functional medicine, and peak sports performance. For more information updates on the Ohio Hockey Project at home, you can call Russ on his cell phone, 440-503-3432, or visit www.ohiohockeyproject.com. Well, boys, we had a good one last week when we sat down with the head coach of the Toledo St. Francis Knights, Chris Varga. Uh, It's only fitting that we double down this week. On the show this week, we talked with Russ Zenkowitz, the Ohio Hockey Project, as well as head coach of the state finalist, New Albany Eagles, Coach Matt Buss. Before we get to the interviews, what's good with you guys? How has your week been? Anything that you'd like to talk about? No. I've done nothing. It's Groundhog Day. Every day is the same. No, actually, uh, I, I did something exciting. Um, and before people jumped on my throat, I, uh, I was in a secluded uh, location away from my house uh, in the hills where I was not subject to any uh, outbreaks of the COVID-19 virus. I, uh, it was excellent just to get away and do something different outside of the ordinary, stay at home, walk around my place, and do whatever else I have to do. That's all for me, man. Danny, what about you? Um, well, I recently took up uh, becoming a dog groomer. So yesterday we busted <laughs> out the uh, the clippers and got the dog in the garage and shaved him down. He's a little patchy, but not shedding in the house anymore. So, Have you guys seen the pictures uh, on social media of people giving themselves haircuts and, and giving their dogs haircuts? It's a trip, man. Oh. Uh. Just bat, just bashing each, other, just like carving into the head, uh, and uh, it looks like uneven. a bad, yeah, it looks like a bad uh, pumpkin carving contest. <laughs> it, it looks looks terrible. I I got so bored here that um, I had to, I took a volleyball net and made a pickleball 
court out of my driveway and we've been doing pickleball tournaments in my driveway. And, um, I think I snapped both my IT bands and my knees and <laughs> my Achilles tendon trying to play pickleball, trying to prove to the neighbors that I can still go side to side and court to court. Oh, you're still an athlete. Come on. Yeah. Right. I know. Hey Danny, how, um, did, uh, how did old patches McGillicuddy, uh, like his haircut? He, he he's not bad. I mean, he sat there and just let it happen. He's used to going to the groomers, but I mean, parts of them I got him down to the skin. Other parts, it's still sticking up. It's it's not pretty. That's all right. That's how no, we right. do. We do what we have to do. Well, some news that we can talk about uh, during the past week: the Menor Icebreakers of the Federal Prospects League remove the interim tag from Coach Sebastian Ragno making him the full-time head coach of the team. Ragno, 23, from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, was hired by the Heisbreakers in 2018 as an assistant coach, goalie coach, and consultant. Ragno took over for Ian Duncan. In some other news, uh, the Winnipeg Jets and Dustin Bufflin parted ways. The Jets and Big Buff mutually agreed to part ways, terminating Bufflin's contract, making him an unrestricted free agent this summer. Bufflin's been out most of the season dealing with an ankle injury, and at that, during that time he was also pondering his hockey future. Blue Jackets news to get to. The uh, Blue Jackets signed goaltender Jonas Kopasalo to a two-year contract extension. The 26-year-old Finnish goaltender took over in net after Sergei Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky left in free agency. He was set to become a restricted free agent at season's end. Kopasalo set single-season career records this season, in games played, wins, and goals against average. He was a 2020 All-Star selection representing the Blue Jackets. However, a knee injury kept him from participating. It's some international news. The SC Bern, the 16-time champion of the Swiss A-League, named a new general manager. 31-year-old Florence Schelling was named the new GM. She becomes the first general manager of a top-level men's professional hockey team. Schelling played in the Swiss B League and was a mainstay as the Swiss women's national team playing in 11 world championships and three Olympics, winning a bronze medal in the 2014 Sochi Olympics. It was also the tournament MVP that year. That's unbelievable for uh, her. Uh, it's going to really promote women's uh, hockey and, and the appearance of women in uh, all hockey, you know, whether it's men's, it doesn't matter. Um, that'll be great. We're going to be talking to Shauna Conway uh, in the coming weeks to get her take on the growing popularity of women's hockey. Yeah, it's it's uh, another, I don't want to say a feather in the cap, but it's a, it's another instance where your gender doesn't doesn't dictate what you can do. I mean, I know the, the women's national team in the United States and in Canada, uh, they banded together to uh, get more equality in pay and travel and, and other other necessities that they need to to compete, succeed. And, and create their league and create something past just the Olympic college and the Olympics. And this is another step in, in the direction of, I guess, of equality. I mean, it shows that you don't need to be a man to run a team. You just need right. to be right. Absolutely. You just need to be right. That's, that's a good, good point, Jay. doesn't matter what your gender is just as long as you're right. Uh, a little local news, the 2020 Ohio Hockey Digest State Jersey Championship on the high school side has a winner in the inaugural Jersey State Championship. 
Shaker Heights edged out Olentangy Berlin, 36,412 to 36,408. Only four votes separated the two to claim the title. Now, I will say that he, uh, I did speak with Scott Harrington as we spoke with him a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Scott, who runs the Ohio Hockey Digest, he said that there were 17,000 people on the site uh, in two days. And however, there was almost 73,000 votes uh, casted. So clearly, there might have been some <laughs> robot shenanigans or whatever. However, um, I think this is a great uh, reason or, or why we miss the game of hockey or any sport right now, hockey, football, basketball, doesn't matter, golf, because clearly you don't have robots uh, interfering in your human uh, element of the game. So, But anyhow, that was a nice uh, two- to three-week uh, competition that Scott put on, uh, and everyone really got involved with it. I think it was fun. Um, I heard a lot of good things from that. I liked uh, I liked Scott's tweet today that someone had asked about the computer interference, um, and Scott, Scott's response or the the digest response was, "See, that's why we don't have nice things." Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> that's a good there's, one. There's a good one. That's a good one. So yeah, no good times for uh, for since we can't be on the ice and, and the state tournament was canceled and or the the final four was canceled, Frozen Four. Uh, was canceled other sporting events to all spring sports canceled this was kind of a, a fun way to at least interact and still be active in our hockey community and, and there's some sharp looking jerseys out there and, and i hope everybody had a good time based on the turnout everybody seemed to have a good time voting for their school showing their pride for sure for sure without further ado let's get to our first guest the owner and operator of ohio hockey project russ zankowitz I'd like to welcome our first guest today. Uh, today's first guest carved out a six-year professional career between the American Hockey League and the East Coast Hockey League. He spent four years at Bowling Green State University, where he played 95 games for the Falcons before heading off to the pros. In 2011, he won the ECHL Kelly Cup as a member of the Alaska Aces. Also in 2011, he founded the Ohio Hockey Project, an independent skill development group committed to positively influencing the Cleveland hockey community. He's on the board of directors for the Cleveland Suburban Hockey League, a scout for the USHL's Tri-City Storm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Also, a Lululemon ambassador, Russ Zankowitz. Welcome, Russ. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> oh, thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it. That's a great intro. He, for, he forgot the power bar, Team Power Bar, too. Yeah, I was on Team Power uh, Bar. Team power bar, power bar. <laughs> we got you covered, buddy. We got you covered. Well, first, hey, before we get started, Russ, I just want to, uh, from the project and from me and Lev and Danny personally, I want to congratulate you and your wife. I know you guys become new parents here in the next couple of weeks, so congratulations on that. That's very exciting. Yeah, thank you. We're, ex- uh, we're ecstatic, honestly. We can't. I've been working with kids my whole life, so now to have, have one of my own, it's going to be a little bit of a different perspective, but we're pumped about it for sure. Well, that yeah. schedule you keep, you're fine, man. You're all yeah. set to roll. You've been on the ice 14 hours a day, man. You're good to go. Yeah, I know. I think I might have to pick up a few more sessions here. I'll never be home. <laughs> so what have you been doing? And we're going to get into this in the interview and talk to you a little bit about how the project is working during this COVID-19 lockdown. But, um, and you know, how has that been for you uh, being at home? Because I know you're a guy that likes to be at the ranks just like myself and, and probably every other person that's listening to this podcast. So how have you handled that? Yeah, it's kind of, to be honest with you, it's been kind of a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions because at first it was like everybody, I probably really underestimated the severity of it all. 
Um, and I really was uneducated on the whole situation. I, I didn't think it was as big of a deal. And I thought it was honestly, I thought it was really short term. I mean, I, so I, it was actually, I was talking to a bunch of my buddies. I think I've been home for 38 days now outside of like a giant Eagle run once a week and the uh, doctor's appointment for the wife. I, we don't leave our house other than walking the dog or whatever. But um, at first it was kind of like a shock and it was a panic. Like, Oh my God, like our spring is over. And for us, we have a, a ton of spring programming we do with youth programs and, and everything, honestly. And even just to watch like the state championship, like I, I, you name it, it was like wiped off the, the slate, which really sucked. And then you kind of come to terms with it and you go through and now we're going into six weeks where it's the whole perspective has changed from being a burden to almost a blessing. And my situation is unique because we're expecting our first child. So that time has been really, really um, welcome to, to get the nursery ready and stuff. But even just to take a break, I mean, it's kind of like the universe's way of just telling us to pump the brakes. Cause like anybody, I mean, you, you fall in love with your work. And I, I mean, I honestly, I, I play hockey 40 hours a week and I love it. And I would do it 52 weeks a year. Uh, if someone wanted to play hockey with me and to be forced to stop well, one, it's in the best interest of every athlete in the world in any sport to take a break uh, at any level, but also, you know, for anybody working, I mean, obviously when rings are closed, it, it's really hard for the hockey project and myself to do what I do, but listen, life's going to get back to normal, whether that's in May or June or July or whenever it is, like it is what it is. And I think a lot of us hopefully can look back at this and say, man, I, I wish I could just sit down for six weeks, you know, like other than like a honeymoon, I never have taken this much time in my life off ever. Right. right you know, right. and I think that's any, I, I mean, I get the emails and the texts from parents and stuff like, you know, my kid's going crazy. He hasn't skated in this in a month. It's like, no one, takes these type of breaks, which it's, it's the best thing for everybody, obviously given the whole, the science behind the whole pandemic, but more importantly, just psychologically, obviously I know isolation's hard, but it's good to, I, can you imagine how hungry every hockey player is going to be May 15th or June 1st or July, whenever they get back into a rink, it will be the best practice that kid has in a calendar year, hands down. They will be so fired up to just be buzzing out there. And that's, that's going to be a special thing, I think, for any coach to work with, you know? Yeah, and I think the kids are going to get the same out of the coaches, too. I mean, I know the coaches are going to be all fired up and probably give some of their best coaching as well into those practices. That's a good point about getting uh, coming back hungry like that. Now, Russ, a lot of people in this Cleveland area and surrounding area know you. They know your, your background. Um, but as we send this out to, you know, the entire state and whoever wants to listen to it, um, the Ohio Hockey Project you created in 2011. Now, you had a very unique and interesting road in your hockey career. Can you just walk us through and the listeners through your road uh, from, you know, youth all the way up to yeah. the Yeah, um, Yeah, I started in the CSHL. Um, I played it. I grew up in Westlake, so I started in North Olmstead simply because it was the closest rink to my house, uh, really for no other reason than that. Um, I played North Olmstead till I was a peewee. Um, I played honestly at every level. I played for the Cleveland Americans, um, Barron for a minute and then Brooklyn. And then, um, St. Ed's was really, you know, kind of the, that's when I kind of, the light bulb went off for me that hockey is hockey's my calling. Hockey's my passion. Hockey's going to be my life. Um, and it's kind of in those years is when I started to separate myself from being a kid that loved the sport to you know this is literally, I eat, sleep and breathe hockey. 
Um, and, and I had an unbelievable experience there. Um, obviously playing for you guys on the JV team was honestly what really built my foundation. Um, and I did some great things at St. Ed's. I, I was lucky enough to win a state championship my sophomore or my junior year. We lost the finals our senior year. Um, but it was because of the staff and the support I got there that really kind of catapulted me into junior hockey. Um, my first year I played in Portland, Maine in the Eastern Junior League. The next year I started in Cornwall, Ontario in the Central Junior League and got traded to the Lincoln Stars in the USHL. And it was in that, my second season of juniors when I signed my letter of intent to play college hockey at BG. Um, and BG was a, was a really good opportunity for me. I was, I was very fortunate that I had, I had a few options. Um, when it came down to it, Ohio State, Miami, and BG were all my final choice. And my math on choosing BG was, well, one, it was in state, which was obviously important to me and my, my family and I, but um, they weren't the best team. And I wanted to go to a team that I could have an opportunity. And I never cared about, I, obviously, I wanted to win. But the thing that was most important to me was an opportunity. And I believed in the coaches. And, and they gave me the kind of the freedom to fail, which I don't think a lot of kids appreciate is you got to play for a coach that believes in you. And for me, I, my whole youth hockey, I always had just really, really great coaches in my high school and in junior. And I, I'm very, very fortunate because I'm, I'm the sum of, you know, 25 or 30 unbelievable coaches and men that, that brought me along. Um, after BG, um, I actually accelerated. So I got done with school in three and a half years. And then I signed uh, with the Johnstown uh, Chiefs in the ECHL, which was just kind of like a, they call it like a quick little bridge contract that got me to the monsters. And then um, pro hockey for a lot of people that follow it and know it, it's a kind of, it's a really tumultuous opportunity because you're really at the mercy of the system and you're up and down. And if you, you look up or you elite prospect, anybody that played AHL, East coast, NHL, very, very rarely are you going to see, you know, one organization attached to their name. And I, I played for six and a half years and I played on when it was all said and done, I want to say it was like 13 different pro organizations. And, and that's just the, uh, the system getting called up and down between the AHL and the East coast league. But um, honestly, like, and that's, it was throughout that time is when I was developing the Ohio hockey project. Um, because for me, I'm, I'm obviously from Northeast Ohio and hockey in Ohio and Cleveland, it's something that is all I know, but we're not Detroit. We're not Minnesota, New England. And I always had this chip on my shoulder when I, anywhere I play and I got to play in some, some unbelievable games and arenas with some of the best players in the world, but I'd get like the laugh at when they're like, wait, you're from Cleveland. What are you really? okay, you played high school hockey in Cleveland and it's like the fire to, to really get me going. It's like, yeah, you're right. I'm from Cleveland. Absolutely. I'm from Cleveland. And there wasn't a ton of us that got to do what I did. And when I had this opportunity to play in all these teams and get this education from all these coaches and, and competition and whatnot, it was like, I want to take this and I want to bottle this up and I want to teach it to every single kid that wants to let me go on the ice with them in Cleveland. I want to help coaches with this. I want to help families with this. And I think of all the mistakes that maybe my family made, not knowing, you know, going and taking me to a showcase here or a tryout there. And it's like, they didn't know. I'm, I'm the first person to ever play hockey in my entire family tree. Um, and I think I'm like, man, think about that. All the mistakes that my family made, I could just teach that to families and try to educate families and players and we're not an agency or an advisory. We don't do any of that. It's simply give us a call or shoot us an email. And we'll give you the absolute best education we can. Um, and summer after summer, when I was playing at this high level, I was like, well, man, I could teach not only the education of like the decision and the, I guess the advisory of what to do, but 
really the, the on ice development, which was really my passion with how do I make kids just better hockey players. And in that definition is if you just want to maybe try to be a good high school player, if you want to play club, or maybe you want to play junior or college or pro, well, whatever, man, hockey's a lifelong sport and you can keep it in your life as long as you want at whatever level you want. Um, but if you're on the ice with me, like I'm going to give you every tool I can and try to do what I can with it. And that's kind of where the hockey project was born. And it was because I was just training and skating and the first ever group I ever did a single program with, it was a group of juniors and seniors. Uh, those kids would have been 91, 92, 93 birth years. Um, it was much in part to, uh, a lot of high school kids from Eds and Ignatius and U.S. and what were now all the Great Lakes schools. But we came together and we did our first ever training camp. And it was just to get kids' eyes open to, hey, this is – and I had all my buddies that were all playing college hockey or pro hockey. We all got on the ice with them and was just like, let's let's kick the crap out of these kids for a week and, and show them what the next level looks like. So, um, that, so that was r- roughly around 2011 uh, when you got that going? Yeah. You got the project going right, right around February or so. I, I'm, I'm sure it was well in the works prior to that start date, I mean, knowing you, I know you're, you're very detail oriented. Um, what all does the project offer? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know from, from being around, but you know, the summer leagues, the, the camps, the development, what all does the project now in its, in its most current state, what all uh, do you offer for, for players now? Yeah. Well, we see, we seem to grow a little bit more every year. Just when I think I don't have enough hours in the day, I, we figure out a way to, to offer a new program or a service. But <laughs> so primarily in the off season is really like the go-to time for us. And that's when kids are obviously out of school and, and they need to work on their development. So um, if you, let's just start at the bottom of the pyramid with our youth players, we have learned to skate programs and kids that have never even stepped foot on the ice before, never even held a stick, um, which is great because we get a, a bunch of really cool donated items from our sponsors that we just give the kids sticks and try to literally learn to play at the, at the grassroots of it. And that grows in the, to we have week long camps for mites through bantams, um, as well as like development programs, we call them, which are six and eight and 10 week long, consistent. They kind of emulate like what a practice would be a consistent Monday night or Tuesday night in the off season. Um, there's a few different specialized things in there with like position specific and power skating specific. Um, and then that evolved into, then we have a few different options for like a high school, like a, like an under 16 and under 18 level, whether it's, we have like a, a morning training group which skates, you know, for, geez, it's 14 weeks over the summer, two days a week. Um, and then coupled with that is our, it's, we call it like our futures hockey league, which is for high school players. And when I kind of came through the high school level and a little bit after I, there wasn't, I mean, every high school did a great job to, to provide an opportunity with captain's practice, but outside of what, and, and I was very, very fortunate to have the structure that St. Ed's provided me, but had I not, I didn't know, there really wasn't a lot of great, developmentally structured organizations in the off season to do anything. So that's kind of where we decided, and this would be now five or six years ago, the futures league, which was basically like it's for under 14, 15, 16, 18 year old players. We make two divisions and it's basically a, uh, a summer league. Basically we have the stats and sponsors get involved and it's um, it's just a really structured detailed game. That's no check, no contact. It's just pure skill and, more than anything, I, I try my hardest to to create an environment that these kids just love the sport as much as I do. And it's my days are behind me playing wise, but I'm on the bench. Like I, I get the jitters before the games and it's a summer league that means big picture, nothing other than hopefully a kid loving the sport. And then that transitioned into before that we had um, a thing. And this is selfishly, I started when I was still playing, we call it the summer elite league. 
and that's for kids that are playing junior college and pro. And that's um, basically the most competitive men's league in the state going. It's got to be. Um, there's a few uh, a few guys that are retired players like myself, but the majority of everyone playing is a current junior college or pro player. And we have like a serious draft. And same thing, it's a non-check, non-fight league because it, it, we can't have any of the BS in it. It's got to be developmental. It's got to be safe for everybody in the off season. But over the over the summers, I mean, there's probably been half a dozen like current NHL players that have played in it, AHL guys, Division One, Three Club, you name it. Um, and it's it's some really 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 good hockey. And for me, what's so fun about that is taking the kids that are 17, 18, 19 under our wing and having the older generation show them and hopefully help them lead the way. Um, so I mean, really, that's kind of the the pyramid. And then in season, I mean, that's really in the off season months, I should say. And then in season, it's now the kids are back with their teams and their organizations. And this is like the in-season consulting stuff, which is honestly, uh, it's a whole different end of the coin and the spectrum, but it's a lot of fun for me because now we take the skill that we taught the kids in the off season and we get to join their teams. And, and it's a lot of coaching development, which is really, really fun for us. Um, we hop out with team practices at all levels, whether it's a high school level, it's to literally like Mike and Squirt and ADM levels um, and just help kids, whether it's skill days or support the coaches or, um, just integrate a few new drills that maybe the coaches have never seen. So there's a lot of moving parts to it and there's a lot of seasonality to it, whether it's the off season or the in season In spring, we'll do some stuff as kids prepare for tryouts uh, in a normal spring season or same thing in the fall as kids now prepare to, for their preseason. There's, it really doesn't stop. Um, we try to be strategic with forcing breaks. So kids actually do take breaks, but there's a lot of levels to it for sure. Right. I, I can, I can definitely vouch for futures leagues and, and all that. I mean, I've, I, you know, you've seen me up at the rink watching those summer games and it's, they're fun, competitive and serious. And it's something that I think is great for the guys to stay involved with and, and continue to do it. How would a player from, let's say non Cleveland area, like Toledo, Columbus, whatever, doesn't matter where in the state, how can they get involved in your project uh, when it comes to the future leagues or any of your camps or whatever? Yeah, no, we actually, we have a ton of kids that, uh, that are coming up from Columbus, Toledo, Youngstown, Akron area. Um, we've had, we've had a few that have actually come in from Pittsburgh too. Um, so for the high school level, it's futureshockeyleague.com. For any players that are junior college pro, it's the summer elite Um, and it's, it's simple. There's an application process. It takes a minute. It's a free application, just nothing more than a point of contact and a reference. Um, and like I said, kids are coming in literally every week from out of from out of the Cleveland area to participate in because it is it's really really quality games and we put a lot into it with the structure of it and um, at the end of the day whether it's a high school level or the elite league level of junior college players I mean trying to accumulate the most competitive the most serious kids about it it just it creates an environment that's infectious in, in such a positive way that that people want to be a part of honestly yeah so you have seen uh, some growth in uh kids from the non Cleveland area to come up and join your project, which is great. And that's, I mean, and that's another thing, you know, if you, you and Rush, you know, this as, as well as we do on this podcast is uh, these kids, not just the high school kids, but the youth kids and even the college kids, they're all playing with each other against each other. And it's, it's good competition, friendly competition, and most importantly, hard, hard competition that you're putting together. So it's really, it's really good stuff. Um, you're, you're doing some uh, virtual coaching right now. Uh, how does that work and what's it look like? Yeah. So this is, 
um, just staying progressive, staying innovative. Obviously, it's it was our hand was forced at this one when when they close the rink. We got to get creative, and uh, it kind of started. My wife and I were doing some virtual yoga stuff, and I'm really into fitness, so I'm always paying attention to what's going on with social media and, and on YouTube and and all the fitness instruction. And it's kind of when the light bulb went off where it's like, man, I don't know what kids are doing, but I have a really strong inclination. It's not enough. Um, so this is when I kind of, for the first two weeks of the kind of stay at home order, I really kind of put some pen to paper with what a curriculum could look like, what, what I think I could deliver via a laptop and instruction, because it's hard. I mean, first of all, anything you do through a, a zoom conference or a, like a virtual meeting and instruction, it can never replicate what you can get on the ice. How, and especially from like the education standpoint and, and teaching technique and you're not skating, but there is a lot of things that with kids, you could teach good form and some fitness. And we're doing a lot with foot speed and core strength. Um, we do it Monday through Friday at two o'clock uh, Eastern time. Um, and it's the same thing. It's on, it's on the website, ohiohockeyproject.com. But the cool thing about it is, um, a lot of these kids have some really great resources. I mean, I see them all on their zoom and, you know, on the zoom room, but they have like setups that are second to none with like synthetic ice. And even the kids that don't, well, I can show you like in our living room and I don't have any hockey stuff at my house other than our coaching equipment or whatever, but I can show you how to get a great sweat in your living room by doing simple body weight exercises and foot speed exercises. And for the kids that are really serious about it, we try to give them some homework or here, take this to your driveway or your garage or wherever else you're, you're training. And here's some really, really great exercises to get the heart rate up, get a sweat going. And you could see it. I look at these kids and their faces are beat red and they're dripping wet. And it, it almost like emulates what they would have gotten in a real practice short of going to the rink and putting the gear on. Um, and I think more than anything, it, it creates a little bit of normalcy. I mean, we do it consistently every day, two o'clock. It's at the end of what would be their virtual school day. Um, so it should feel like there's practice. And a lot of these kids, I mean, we see them year round. So it, it, I think I could just see it like in their face, they light up because it's, you know, myself or our coaches and they're pumped to see us and they know they're going to have a fun experience and they're going to be smiling. They're going to work hard and it's going to be positive and more importantly, sticks in their hand and we're sticking and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So, um, yeah, it's been, honestly, this is our, we're going into like our second week now doing them. And last week was, was unbelievable and some really, really positive feedback and taking the, the constructive criticisms to make them even better as we go now. You just wanted to become an. You just wanted to become a, like an Instagram or, or you know, social yeah, media star. The, that, Come on, that was, that was the underlying, the secret goal. Is I really wanted to get my uh, right. Instagram follows up and be a fitness. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't touch that one. What What was your thought? What was your first thought when you did that? The, the first ever virtual training class or, or training uh, event, I guess. What What went through your head? So there's two parts. Yeah, there's two parts to it. The first one, I did a teeny little test with like my nieces, my nephews. It was family, so I'm like, these people, I, whatever. They're 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 coming back no matter what. And it well, was you hope. The worst, you never know. Yeah, it, well, it was it was the worst experience ever because they're like they're outside. The wind's blowing. They're not focused. They're doing other things. And I had a couple of my cousins that are just little athletes that aren't necessarily hockey players. I'm like, oh boy, this this didn't go so well. This is not where it needs to be. And then I, again, I took a week off. I really thought about it. And then we did another test with like maybe about a dozen families that are um, really supportive of, of what our mission is all about. And after it, I was like, I, I had so much confidence after I was like, wow, that, that was a really good workout. I mean, I was sweating, I was wringing wet. My forearms were sore from stick handling. 
And then I just, I, I thought about like the progression of what we did, just taking them through stick handling, core and foot speed. We broke in like 20 minute segments. And I was like, that's unbelievable. Like that's dry land training that, that I did at a collegiate or professional level. I just really slowed it down and try to teach kids that. And obviously you can't stand over them and show them the perfect technique with their hands. But we, we put a lot of time in having extra coaches online to really hone in on the kids. So if maybe one coach is working, another coach could be just spying on them and making sure that the, the technique's right. And we want to make sure it's done the right way. So it's not just them looking at a laptop, watching a video of a coach. It's a live interactive experience and they're getting some development out of it. Nice. And that's the main purpose of it. And it's cool too. I mean, we have families that are some families that stop in with us in the summertime that don't live here, that their family lives here. The other day, I mean, we had literally, I think we had like seven States represented. We had my old billet family from Lincoln, Nebraska, their, their son's now a, he's no seven. So that's like a, what, first year banner or second year Peewee or something like that. So he's in Lincoln, Nebraska. This, these two siblings are in New Mexico, another family who had moved from Cleveland, but they live in Kalamazoo kids in Michigan. There's a family from Cleveland that they have um, a summer house down in Florida, but they just went down for the whole stay at home order. So families down in Florida. Um, and then another family friend that was in Houston, all doing the exact same thing with me that I'm doing in my living room in Lakeland. That's great. It was, it was, it was pretty sweet. That's cool. It's cool. Hey, what, what would be your advice to any player out there on achieving their dream? of whatever that may be make basically to make it to the their next level what would be your advice to them um first of all i would define very clearly what your goal is you know and is if that's a club level like you want to have a great high school you know so i mean i think there's some you got to frame it specifically like if i'm an eighth grader okay well i want to you know i want to pick a great high school opportunity i want to you know i want to maybe try to get to junior college pro whatever it is um, and then you have to have a, a really, really direct set of action steps to get there. And you got to be critical of yourself. If you got to gain weight, you got to lose weight, you got to get stronger, whatever it is, and speak to your coaches that can give you candid um, suggestions on that. But, um, and then you got to revisit those goals on a regular basis. I know for myself, I would always be writing down, well, one quotes that I would hear or see to kind of keep myself motivated. I'd always have my goals. Um, and for anybody that's serious about, like, especially let's talk hockey now, like you got to be accountable. Um, it's not, you know, you flip it on when it's the season or you flip it on, on, on Friday and Saturday. It's, it's literally, it's a lifestyle. It's how do you eat? How do you sleep? It doesn't mean you can't be a kid and do other sports and, and have a social life. Absolutely. You can, and you should, but you have to be unbelievably committed to your goal. And it has to be literally the priority of your life. If, depending on the, the seriousness of it. And if, which I, you know, I hear it a lot of times of kids that say, you know, coach Russ, I just, I want to play junior hockey. Or I, I want to play college hockey. It's like, okay, well then it, it's 12 months, 52 weeks a year. It's 12 months a year. It is literally all in all day, every day to reach that goal. Um, and again, I mean, it changes a little bit for what your goals are and what your wants are. And, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of kids have different starting points too and where they're at and, the foundation they have or what they need to work on and deficiencies in their game or strengths in their game. Um, I will say this though, you know, good players get found and I don't think enough kids appreciate that. I think a lot of kids are concerned about they need to play here. And I, I see that a lot with youth families where, you know, their, their child will play on, on 
countless teams, you know, um, and I know times have changed. I'm 34 years old and I get it. The, the situation has changed for a lot of kids, but you know, I'm, I've been a huge believer that you, you're not ready to leave your current situation until you're dominating where you're at, whether that's a mite or a squirt, like you don't need to go anywhere else unless your kid is literally changes the outcome of the game when the puck's on their stick. Okay. Now we look at the next option and the same thing with kids that, you know, and I tell the story all the time about one of the best years, most important years of my entire career was the year I played JV hockey. It was a kick in the pants because here I am, I'm thinking I should be playing varsity. My buddies are playing varsity. I came in, I think I played like, I think I played like AAA the year before. So in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm varsity all day, every day. And I played JV. I won a JV state championship and I was a captain and it was unbelievably developmental for me. But I remember like, like pouting for like half the year thinking that I was better than I was and it was, I think it was like at a dinner table. I remember my dad like yelled at me and he was just like, well, you can either quit or you can get better and you can prove him wrong. And I was like, yeah, well, okay, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to just excel and make it so obvious that next year, and that was the summer going into my junior year, that no, I'm a varsity player. You, you, you'll you, get fired if you don't take me on the varsity team because you're going to look so bad. It was like that mentality that just became like a driving factor for me. And it was because of that like humble that wake up call, but I was also, I was exactly where I needed to be. I needed, I was not a varsity player. I was a JV player that needed reps and strength and education and confidence. But in my head, I look at my peers and unfortunately that's even been 10 times multiplied. Everyone looks at their peers or kids in their birth year that are getting a college commitment or, you know, like it's easy to look at guys that are playing the NHL that are 19 years old. Well, you got to stay in your lane. And that was what that taught me that year is because of that one year of JV hockey, I attribute literally a college commitment to that because that year I was just hanging in the weeds, getting stronger, getting confident. And then my growth was so exponential after that because I didn't bite off too much too soon. Where you see this where kids like, great, you're on the varsity as maybe a freshman or sophomore, you don't play. Okay, well, I'd rather be on the JV playing, you know, 40% of the game as a top pair defenseman or more, honestly, and having a leadership role and playing power, play penalty, kill the whole thing. Um, and, and that was such a, a critical season for me. And I, I literally tell that to any single kid or parent that complains to me when they don't make the team or they don't get, it's like, I never made a mid-am team in my entire life. I went to every mid-am thing. I got cut from everyone outside of one kid at my birth year in my region. I had the best career of anybody. And it wasn't that I was better or anything like that. I just stayed in my lane, my head down, and I just worked and worked and worked on what I needed to work on. Um, well, I love listening to you talk about it. Uh, I, I mean, love, I love it. It's, it's no, it, it is. It is 100% inspiring because, like you said, there's so much that goes on right now that, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at people or places or anything like that. What's the next best thing? Where's the next? We need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. Well, you know, a, a, a BG guy, uh, Ty Egner, said the same thing. Don't don't do anything till you're the best of where you're at, and continue to work to be the best of where you're at, so you can open up other opportunities to hopefully move on. Absolutely. But I, I there was something on your on your website. I believe uh, it's a quote from that you used to see every day when you were in playing in Portland, and it's just so it 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 jumped off the page at me when I was reading it. And just so fitting for right now, especially in, in what we're going through now, things work out best for those who make the best out of the way things turn out. 
and you had written underneath it, positivity, positivity needs to be your best friend when you deal with adversity. Man, I it's, think about that all the time, that quote. Even now, more now more than ever, right? With all the stuff we're dealing with. But yeah, in, in Portland and uh, on the American like that, you turn the corner into the player tunnel. It's the, like the first thing you see. You see that and you see the logo and then you saw like the, what was it? The uh, Phoenix Coyotes logo, like they're in the AHL logo and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I think inherently I, I am a very positive person and I, I really attribute that to being able to do the things I, I did with the sport or um, with the hockey project or whatever. But it's so true. I mean, the power of, of the mind and the power of positivity, it, it, it literally is like it, it's the foundation to being successful. Like if you don't have a positive mindset, you're going to fail and you're going to in like adversity too. like, Oh my God, I love adversity. It's like, what, how fun would it be just to always be the best and never have a challenge? It would suck. Like there'd be nothing fun about that, you know? And it's like adversity for any kid, whether, you know, it's education or like, I love the challenge of my grades. I was always like a B plus a minus, but I wanted to be an A student, but I, it wasn't easy for me. Like I had to really, really apply myself to get A's, you know, and that was fun for me or, you know, in college, like that was, that was really fun for me. I remember my, uh, going into my senior year, I wasn't in the best situation playing wise. And I didn't, I just felt like I just didn't get the best opportunity and I just wasn't a good fit, but no, no disrespect to the coach, the program, cause they were phenomenal coaches and my, my teammates were amazing, but I looked at a challenge where I'm like, well, if I take 23 credit hours, which a normal student takes 12. So I'm like, if I take 23 credit hours, I can graduate a semester early and then I can go sign a pro contract. And it was like, all right, let's do this. It's, it's going to be really, really hard, but <laughs> 23 I I could, credits. Whoa. I think, it, I think I could do it. So I had, I had like my four full time. I had then four full time, but they were online. And then I picked up two different electives. Uh, I was literally, I was doing like, I forget what it was like, 10 hour school days on top of practice. Um, yeah, I was going to say you were playing during that time too. Oh, yeah. Right? I was, yeah, I was a full time student athlete. And how it worked at, uh, when I was there at PG, I, I practice window was like, it was like two to four thirty or something like that. I think like two, two to three thirty was the actual ice slot. And then like some pre and post practice and meetings and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're at the ring from like, 1.30 to 5 almost. Yeah. So I had my 8 a.m. classes, which is funny because, like, I'm in the rink every day at, you know, 5.30, like, six days a week as it is now. But to get up for an 8 a.m. class in college was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I got to get up at 7.30? And when there was like, snow? And when like, it was yeah, snow? Yeah, exactly. But um, In the wind tunnel of BG? Oh, Ooh. the tundra, man. That place <laughs> is something else. It's a special, it's a special community, though. It um, is. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, it was a challenge and that, that adversity of it was like, wow, this is like, I'm, I'm climbing uphill here, but what a fun challenge. This is what a good story. This is going to be after the fact too. Um, but adversity, man, it's so, so, so important for kids. It, you got, and it's crazy. Cause I look at the kids that keep failing, but have the positive attitude. And those are kids. If I was a coach, I would take them on my team seven ways to Sunday, but those are the kids that if they just don't quit, if they don't break, they're going to make it. And maybe making it isn't playing in the NHL, but you know what? They're going to go to a really good college or get a really good career or do some really great things in any sport they try to do, you know? And that's what's, that that's such an important factor in kids is their positivity and, and their mental makeup and, and how they can manage that adversity. Cause then you see it on the other end with kids that are super 
talented. Maybe they're genetically, you know, they hit Pusey Street. And then you see like the little engine that could, that's been like the underdog his whole life, just take down Goliath and then keep going, you know, and that's, you know, it's so important for kids to understand that and, and have that mindset because anybody that's super successful and pick your discipline, whether it's sports or engineering or tech or medical or anything. I mean, these people are so un, they're like Marines. They're, they're all, they all have the same mental makeup, you know, and that's, they're just absolute savages mentally, you know, how they can handle things and how they can persevere. Um, and I try yeah, to instill, instill that with a, kids, you know, Lev says it all the time, uh, whether he's coaching or during hard times, he always says it's okay to be okay. And, you know, and, and again, like Love mentioned uh, to you earlier, you know, there's, you know, it seems like everyone's always, and I don't think it's just a Cleveland thing. I think it's a society thing right now. It's, you know, what's the next best thing? Well, the next best thing is what you create for yourself. It's not what anyone else creates for you. It's what you create for yourself. And what I love about the project, Russ, and I get to see it. I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to see it every day here in Cleveland. What I love about the project is, it's being done uh, for the right reason. It's being done so that the kids can figure out their own way. Not that, you know, you're not pushing them in any certain way. You just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you something that you can become a better hockey player, a better person, not only physically, but mentally. You know, so, you know, we're fortunate uh, in the hockey community that in 2011, you decided to come back to Cleveland and do that. Um, and we thank you for that because I know, I mean, as a coach in this area, I know my players get better because of you, not, not only skill-wise, but also uh, as people and the, their work ethic. And that's, I think that's a, it's a, huge, uh, it's a huge thing. So awesome uh, to, for you and, and for the project. Uh, we're really happy that, that you joined us today. Uh, and we're really happy to be, continue to work with you uh, with the Digest. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. We've got to have you on again because I still want to hear the story about the first time you saw a moose when you were in Alaska, a big, they're big animals, man. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> what we'll do, Huge Russ, animals. we'll have, we'll have you on again. Uh, once we can figure out what's going on and get your, your onboarding of your summer camps and all that other stuff. And, um, you know, I really wanted to say this to people outside of the Cleveland area, check out Ohio hockey projects website, check out what, what Russ is doing. It's very special. He runs a very special program and, uh, it's only, from Toledo, Columbus, whatever. It's only an hour and a half drive. You can get here and, and, and get your skills refined. So um, again, Russ, thanks for coming on. We appreciate having you and uh, um, have a good, and again, congratulations to you and your wife on, on the soon to becoming parents of yeah. the newborn. Yep. Appreciate it guys. <laughs> All right. Thank thanks very Russ. much. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks See you, buddy. See ya. Bye. What a great interview we just had with Russ Ankowitz there of the, Ohio hockey project doing some great things with the the young guys and even the, the the high school junior and pro guys when they come back to work with with Russ in the project so it was good it was good talk uh I, you know he could go on about some of the stories that he's had through his career uh starting from you know I, I like the story of him getting cut and going to the JV team and then having uh that was the turning moment in his career that really pushed him over the edge yeah, he's a he's a very positive man. <clears throat> Excuse me, a very positive man. He's a very positive influence on youth players. He's a very good resource for the the older players as well. And he just you can tell he loves what he does. You can tell he loves the sport. You can tell he loves people. He just 
again, I can't stress it enough. As he said it in the interview, positivity is the key. And, and he, he exemplifies that. And it was, it was great to talk to him and listen to his stories. You know, we talk about, you know, coaches doing coaching for the right reasons or, or, you know, making athletes better for the right reasons. That's Russ Senkowitz and the Ohio hockey project for sure. Doing it for the right reason. Uh, and that is to, to try to promote uh, kids through this game of hockey. And he doesn't really just do all hockey either. I mean, I know that's his focal point, but as he's doing, like he was talking about, as he's doing these yoga sessions and these uh, virtual workout sessions, he's got people that are joining him that aren't hockey players as well, just family members, whoever it may be, and he's just doing the right thing. Now we're going to move on to our next guest. That's going to be head coach Matt Buss of the New Albany Eagles. Uh, coach Buss had a great season this year. We're going to be able to talk to him about uh, his run in the state tournament, uh, a little bit of how he came into uh, the Columbus area from Wisconsin. He's got a really good background. And I know, Jay, you and I, we, we've met Coach Buss uh, once during our coaching, but didn't really get to know him when we did a little research on him. He's got an interesting past. Absolutely. Uh, anybody that's gone through uh, what Coach Buss has had to go through with putting together a season of, of ups and downs and piecing it all together and, and everything starting to click and making a heck of a run there at the end and, and, you know, knocking off the number two and the number seven teams in the state to get themselves to their first ever uh, frozen four. I mean, as you said to me, we, we, we met where we, we met him uh, over the course of the year and it's going to be exciting to talk to him here and, and, see what it was like, I guess, uh, behind the scenes uh, with the New Albany Eagles. Well, without further ado, let's get on to Coach Matt Bust. Our next guest led the New Albany Eagles to the school's first district championship, their first Frozen Four appearance. He is a four-year member of the Badgers of the University of Wisconsin, where he was a member of the 1990 NCAA National Championship team. He has an extensive coaching resume spanning across the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome to On Air, the 2010 Stevens Point, Wisconsin Sports Hall of Fame inductee and Mr. Wisconsin, head coach, Matt Buss. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> That's quite an introduction there. Thank you. It certainly <laughs> is, coach. It certainly is. So uh, thanks for joining us again. Um, you know, we, we had Coach Vargon uh, last week, and we just want to get the elephant out of the room here. Um, can you just walk us through what an emotional roller coaster it must have been for you guys. And I know that you said you've talked uh, numerous times about it, so I don't want, want to keep beating it a dead horse here, but what an emotional roller coaster must have been for you guys to take down the 36 and 0 and 1, number two team in the state, and then take down the number seven ranked team in the state, and then have the rug ripped out from underneath you guys? Well, you know, I, I've re you know, answered this question a few times, and it, it was it's indescribable. The, the experience was amazing to, to have the run that we had uh, winning those last three games, actually. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, as, as things unfolded with, with the, the pandemic global worldwide situation, you know, we were pressing until Thursday, actually, even Friday. I, I kind of had a, a little bit of a belief until the athletic director called me and said, you know, that they were canceling it. Um, we were on a roll. I mean, listen, I, I don't know what would have happened. I know what we believed was going to happen. Um, but, you know, to, to, to talk about what might have happened uh, is a waste of time because, 
um, you know, we ended as champions and so, so did the other three teams, you know, I, I would never get into a, you know, a contest about, you know, what would have happened. I want to congratulate the other teams for, you know, making it to the final four too. And it certainly would have been amazing to get the kids down there nationwide and, and, and to play, you know, play the game like coach Barga said, you know, see what would have happened. But, you know, the way I look at it, you know, I'm just happy that we're all healthy. I talked to my team, you know, yesterday, um, you know, we're all good. And, and that's, what's important to me. Um, yeah, we would like to, to, to finish out and, and maybe win a state ter- tournament, but, um, you know, that's out of our control. That was something that, you know, I told the kids all year long, that was, that was one of our, you know, mantras, if you will, is just to worry about the things that we, we had, you know, in control. And obviously that was way out of our control. So, you know, to get upset about, you know, not playing is kind of senseless. Um, you know, we took care of what we could t- take care of. And, and, uh, you know, again, it was about a belief that we had and we, we instilled in the boys, you know, throughout the course of the season. And I liked our chances going into the state tournament, but you know, Hey, we could have lost 12, nothing to, to, to Leo St. Francis. I don't know, you know, ifs and buts and candies and nuts. And, you know, <laughs> you know what happens when we say that. So, um, Hey, I, I'm thrilled the way the season ended. If it was going to end, it, it couldn't have ended any better for us. Um, and, you know, I, I think we can continue to build on that for next year and in years to come, but, you know, heaven forbid with, it was, it's still surreal. You know, the, 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 the games, the electricity of the crowd, the, the, the energy, you know, two days later, your, your body's just filled with something that's hard to describe to somebody that hasn't experienced it and the kids and the families and the people that bought in, they did. Um, but again, you look back, it, it's insignificant, so to speak, you know, in the realm of everything that's going on. So, yeah, can talk, talk me through, talk me through the, the, actually, if you think about, um, and most people forget that you actually had to play another game in the district final after you beat Upper Arlington, who was 36 to no. Yeah. So talk me through that, you know, you beat 36 to no Upper Arlington, and then now you have to go play in the district finals. And, and we all know that, that those are emotional times, right? And, and you try to work your kids through those emotional times after having a huge win like that. I'm not going to call it an upset. I'm just, I, it was a big win. Uh, but how do you get through that week and then leading into that the, that final game? Because I, I know this, a lot of people thought, if you talk to the, the the hockey people, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, New Albany knocked off up Arlington to get to the final four. No, they didn't. They had another game to play. So how was what was that week like? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, we, we, had, we had a great coaching staff this year. I was fortunate to have um, Brennan Carney, who's an Ohio State Buckeye, uh, phenomenal kid, uh, extremely talented. He brought a lot to the table this year for the program. And, and he's got a calmness about him um, that sometimes I don't, but he's very calm. And, uh, you know, we had a game plan for that week. I think we just collaborated on both of our experiences. You know, we had had a lot of, you know, similar experiences in, in our lives in terms of state tournaments. You know, when you play at a high level, uh, you know, NCAA, you, you know, you do this year in and year out, weekend and week out. Um, and so what we, we were very calm. Surprisingly, I just remember that week in practice, you know, we had a calm confidence. Obviously, we felt like we slayed the, the giant with UA, um, you know, being 36-0. And, and they had, you know, taken care of business with us earlier in the season. They were a great team. They, they uh, 
you know, they, they deserved everything that they had. And, but, you know, obviously for us that we had the nothing to lose mentality, we win that game, but you know, now we're, we're playing Liberty and, you know, I, I, we chose the bracket so that we wanted to play it that way. We, we felt like if we could get past Jerome, which we didn't have to see if you get past Jerome, you know, Murph's boys, uh, then we would have a chance. And, you know, Liberty, well, we, we beat them earlier in the season in their building. Um, and, and we, we tied them later in the year at our building and, you know, we, we were confident with that group. We, we knew that, you know, that to win the third game, the final game was going to be the, the most difficult hurdle. But um, we, we were pretty confident with, with, uh, with Liberty. We had a game plan for them all year long. We, we stuck to it. You know, Coach Kearney brought that, a huge piece of that puzzle into the mix, um, you know, through film study. And we were confident, you know, it, it, the way it play, played out, kind of was what we expected. You know, they came out with a flurry in the first, our, our goaltender who I, you know, I'm going to go on record and tell you that I think he's the best, you know, in, in the state. Um, and, and he, he stood on his head again and we needed that, you know, there's so many different things that happen. You know, hockey's dynamic. You guys know that, but once we got through the first period and weathered the storm and we got the crowd on our side, we, you know, that's kind of was our game plan. We wanted to be calm and we were calm. We were calm in the locker room. We were calm in practice. You know, the, the, the discussions and speeches and talks before and in between periods, uh, they were all calm. And it was very weird. You know, it, was, it was surreal. The, the kids were calm. We were calm. And uh, again, we had a plan and, and we were confident we stuck with it. And that was, that was, you know, ultimately what led to our success is that we had the game plan. We stuck with it. We were calm. We believed in each other. We knew that nobody else did. And again, that was kind of to our, you know, a feather in our cap. We, we knew what we had. Okay. You know, I, a year ago now I was talking about that we would be the team to beat next year um, because I knew what kind of team we had. And while we had some, you know, some, some uh, steps throughout the season where we faltered, it was all part of the plan. Um, not my plan, of course, um, but I would like <laughs> never, to. Never is, our, never is the coach's plan, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We all kind of want to go 36 now. Um, but I knew we had the team. Okay. The year before Jerome, you know, my hats off to the, you know, uh, Pat Murphy and, and his crew there, you know, what they've done for a dozen years, you know, if, if New Albany can do it, we did this year for 10 more years in a row, then, you know, <laughs> we will do, maybe we'll equal or come close to what Jerome and, and obviously the other, you know, uh, opponents that were going to be in the final four with us. You know, these guys have been doing it year after year after year. You know, Varga, you know, <laughs> look at his resume. I feel I'm embarrassed to be following up behind him. But we had a great team. We knew it. We, we also knew that nobody else believed or really knew it. But we had a good team, and we just had to put everything together when it mattered, and we did. Coach, so you guys, you guys uh, beat Liberty to make it to the final four. What does that week look like? for you as a team, for you as a coach, and, and as an organization, what did you do leading up to, well, what we were going to hope was the final four, uh, but we know that didn't happen. So walk, walk us through that, uh, that whole week. Well, again, you know, to the best of my recollection, uh, practice was Monday. We had a team building event on, on Tuesday. We went bowling. Um, Wednesday, we had a practice. And Wednesday night at 5 o'clock, we had a uh, scheduled meeting with the Blue Jackets and and we were going to get a tour of the facility, a tour of our locker room. You know, I wanted the boys to, to see what they, where they were going to play. So our athletic director arranged 
to go down to Nationwide. So here we are on Wednesday night, five o'clock. And it was, it was somewhat similar to, you know, perhaps the, the, the 2001 9-11 attacks where, you know, you saw the planes hitting the building and, and it was happening, but right in front of your eyes. And, and you, but you didn't believe it. So we were down at Nationwide. Okay. Like during the five to six o'clock time, the, the Nashville Predators were in town. They were going to play the next more, uh, next day. And we were going <clears> to <throat> go watch their team practice. And, and at that time, the Jackets <clears throat> were going to, you know, go ahead and play their hockey game the next day on a, on a Thursday night. And so we were down there. And while we were there, the trainers and everybody, all of a sudden, it was like a movie scene. They started taping up the locker room doors. They were, there was an area where uh, the, only the media could go. But then they started closing it. Well, by the time 6 o'clock came around, you know, one of the guys whispered into the ear of the guy giving us the tour. And he's like, you know, <laughs> that, that, that game's not going to be going on tomorrow. And so it was so surreal. We went from being on the bench at Nationwide and with all 20 of our kids, you know, the coaches, and, you know, in an empty building, of course. And, and it was just exciting. It was like, and I got pictures of the boys, uh, you know, looking out on the ice. And, you know, this is where our locker room was going to be. And this is where the bus will park and, and uh, you know, so forth and so on. You know, and, and then there was a, a, a schedule of events at such and such time, you know, the National Anthem. And, you know, just neat, neat things for the boys to experience. And then, like I said, you know, Thursday morning, the next morning, uh, I got a call from the athletic director. And he said, uh, you know, you bought those 10 tickets for, for your family. And, uh it's not happening, but it's, it's postponed. It's going to be postponed for two weeks. Uh, and again, at that particular point, you know, that's six some weeks ago, it's hindsight now, but right then we were still optimistic. We just thought, God, oh, this is kind of a bummer. We're, we're on a roll. We're so excited. We're ready to go, but you know what? Now we got to find a way to kind of keep calm and just, you know, stick with the game plan until this plays out. But, you know, we know how that all plays out from there. Yeah. Well, what an exciting, I mean, I know it didn't end the way you guys wanted it to, but what an exciting week for those boys to experience all that, you know, able to get into nationwide, do some tours, see some players, uh, have that. So that's, you know, again, I know all of us in this world of hockey would have loved for the final four to be completed for the college hockey national championship to be completed for the NHL season to be completed. Um, but at least you can take a little bit of, of happiness and good out of that week. And, uh, you know, good, Good for the boys and you guys for able to continue to have that last bonding experience together. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it continues, you know, through this day today. And I think, I think for us, it'll continue forever. You know, that's um, something that I'm, I'm very happy for those, this group, you know, the nine seniors, they can hang their hat on that, that they're, they're going to go out as champions. Um, you know, who knows what would have happened? Who cares? It, it's um, it is what it is. And then, you know, we're really, really happy with the way things turn out for us this season, and we're looking forward to things to come. Good. Not to switch gears on you, Coach, but we understand, I mean, obviously you played at the University of Wisconsin. You were Mr. Wisconsin, which is absolutely amazing. Congratulations. What Thank you. Was, what was your hockey journey like growing up in the, in the Wisconsin area and, and through your travels, the USHL, and, and to getting to where, I guess, what was your hockey journey like getting to where you are today? Well, oh man, we don't have enough time to answer this question. Um, you know, grew up in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Uh, I guess now it's probably most notorious for the likes of uh, Joe Pavelski, uh, Cole Caulfield, who's the first rounder this last year, plays for Wisconsin. Um, but no, you know, my my hockey journey started as a kid, just like everybody else. You know, um, 
playing in my, my basement, in my garage with my brother and, and on the street. And, but I, I would say that if I had to um, point my finger at one, one thing, it was the, it was the Wisconsin Badgers and it was, it was the uh, 76, 77, 78 team that had um, Mark Johnson, Mike Eaves. That's what got me into hockey. I, I, um, if you, you can bear with me here, my folks and, and some neighbors of ours, um, they joined in and got season tickets with a couple other people. There was four families in, in Stevens Point that we would drive down to Wisconsin, you know, three or four times a year to Madison, Wisconsin, that is, and, and watch the Badgers play. And, uh, you know, I was six, seven, eight years old, and that was how it started. I was, you know, just a little mite, squirt, whatever it was, and it was <clears throat> just – it became part of the culture of, of my family, my brother, and, uh, you know, going to skate with the Badgers when you're seven or eight years old. And, you know, Mark Johnson, Bob Suter, Craig Norwich, you know, Mike Eves. I could go on and on and on about the Badgers that were there at that time. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. And then, you know, you fast forward a year later, um, two year or two later, I, I'll never forget, you know, the Olympics of 1980. You know, right now it's a cliche, I think. You know, globally, you know, you got interviews with, you know, Austin Matthews, and, and he wasn't even born yet. And I, I can tell you firsthand that I lived it. I was right there. I, I remember in Wausau, Wisconsin, watching the game. Um, I, we didn't know then, but it was a rebroadcast. It was like, you know, 100 people in, a, in a, a small rink in Wausau, Wisconsin. We were watching on a little black and white TV. Um, the, the, the gold medal game was, you know, a few days later, but the, the, the game with Russia and you know, Mark Johnson, I'd skated with him on the Dane County Coliseum ice a few months earlier with uh, the skate with the Badgers and, and, and Bob Suter. And I, I had the program and I knew every single Badger, top to bottom, height, weight, where they're from. And, uh, you know, once that, that Olympic thing happened, obviously, you know, not much needs to be said about how that set hockey off. But that just reinforced my feeling for the Badgers, for, for Mark Johnson, who still to this day is my hero. He, you know... I was a high school kid, uh, you know, playing high school hockey, and the, the pros weren't my heroes. You know, my heroes were, were you know, Chris Chelios, Tony Granato. Um, heck, <laughs> I was getting recruited there, and uh, I wanted to emulate John Bice. You know, I mean, I didn't look at, like, you know, Wayne Gretzky or any of those guys. I, you know, I'd be lying and be naive to say that I didn't have an Edmonton Oilers jacket and was a big, you know, fan of all those guys. You know, Mark Messier was my guy, but, um, but really, even till I was – just before I got to Wisconsin, all the Badgers were my heroes growing up. Um, so that's all I ever wanted to do. I didn't aspire to be a pro hockey player. You know, I wanted to be Mark Johnson. That's, that's all I wanted to do. And, and when I got there, you know, I felt like I made it. You know, that was the end of my, you know, my journey because I really, that's all I ever aspired to be. Um, so, you know. So as you, as you transition from your playing career into your coaching career and, um, you know, we, we know that you did a lot of coaching across the Midwest, Chicago, Minneapolis, Philly, what across the country. I mean, we, there's all different types of uh, ways that, you know, things happen in our country when it, you know, when it comes to the way the game is played or a game, not just hockey, whatever it may be, or, or traditions. What, what if, what, when you coached, how was the game played differently or is it played the same across the country? You mean from one market to the next? Yeah. Yeah, I think you just answered it yourself when you, when you said that, um, you know, there's pockets of, of cultures throughout our country, throughout the world, throughout every city. I mean, you know, we've got 20-some teams in, in the Columbus district, and every team may have a different history. 
I think the history and the culture are what defines, you know, Philadelphia from Chicago, you know, Minnesota, the state of hockey, you know, I'm not going to get into an argument about it. I I'm from Wisconsin, a neighboring uh, rival state. And I will, I will say that Minnesota is the state of hockey. You know, they, they have their own set of rules and, and, and they, you know, prove it year in and year out with their players. And, but it's about tradition. It's about the culture that's developed. You know, Philadelphia is a rough and tough, you know, Detroit's the hub of, of hockey in the world, in my opinion. Um, I think, you know, Detroit's got the best hockey. And I think that, that that's, you know, from a overall standpoint. Um, and, and what defines those and what's different from one market to the next is just, you know, the culture. You know, if it's the Detroit Red Wings, you know, Wisconsin, we didn't have a team. That's another reason I was – I wasn't watching – you know, NHL, I was watching the Badgers and, and that's what we had. That's who we aspired to be. And so, you know, you, you kind of, every, uh, um, one of the markets kind of thrives off of their culture that's developed there. Um, so, you know, hockey's hockey's hockey across the board, but it's certainly going to be a little bit rougher here. I know that in Ohio it's new and, and with the way that the game has changed, you know, the new school, Ohio hasn't been, you know, a, a thriving market for hockey like it has been in Wisconsin or Minnesota for years. When I grew up, you know, what would have been just a good hockey play is now a five-minute major, right. um, or, or could be. You know, there's a, you know, I mean, there's so hockey has changed so much from that standpoint. I'm not complaining. I, I think that the hockey is is just grown exponentially for a variety of reasons. But the way they've changed the game, you know, USA Hockey and what they have done with the ADM model and and you know the list goes on and on what USA hockey has done in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, just unbelievable. Hockey is really thriving right now. And I think it's still growing and it's going to continue to go and grow as people get more and more aware of the sport. Um, you know, I attribute that to, to a lot of things. Um, you know, Gretzky, <laughs> that move to LA was the beginning of it. Um, and you know, he obviously was the pioneer, the greatest player ever, you know, and he, he moved and he started a market in LA and, and now you got, you know, San Jose, LA, you got Anaheim and you got thriving markets of youth hockey and explosion all over the place, wherever there's professional hockey. Um, there's, there's a market. For right. I, I think one of the strongest youth hockey areas in the country right now has got to be the St. Louis area. I mean, that St. Louis area is just booming with, with, with all your travels and coaching, throughout the uh, your career how'd you settle in in ohio well truth is truth is that, that that we moved here uh six years ago at that time i was looking for a better place for my kids to play because we were in kansas city missouri at the time and kansas city did not have unfortunately didn't have the infrastructure set up for you know a place if you really wanted to continue but it was just a life event uh we were going for a move and change of jobs um at that particular juncture and you know columbus had uh, the the jackets, the AAA jackets, and you know how the game has changed even in the last five years. Cheapers, you know, we moved here in '14, and you know the, the Blue Jackets games were empty. Was a non-factor for the most part. I mean, I'm, I'm embellishing it a little bit, but from you know from then to now, um, the, the the interest level in the game. I think again, people are getting more and more educated, but ultimately, you know what it boils down to. Uh, again, my opinion is the success of that market you know so once once columbus wins a, a stanley cup it changes the game it's going to be the game changer you know i know you guys have asked me about you know what's going to what's going to take to change the game or, or to improve the game but 
it's growing in Columbus, for example, and, and I think in Ohio, I can expand that to um, the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, they haven't won a, a national championship and they're going to. Uh, I think it's going to be sooner than later. Um, the, the coach there was a, a former teammate and captain of mine at the University of Wisconsin, Steve Rollick. He, he's a, just a, a remarkable coach, a, a stand-up guy on and off the ice and a great leader. I think they're going to win. And when they do, you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes football is, is you know, that's dominant in this area for good reason. It's the best. And, and, and so hockey has taken a, a second or third, you know, seat in, in this community and including the, the, the Blue Jackets. But of late with, you know, some of the player acquisitions and the excitement, the playoff series win a couple years ago, you know, it's, it's growing every year. And, and my belief, again, my philosophy on this is, you know, whether it be in Dallas, Tampa Bay, where all these markets, when, when they, when they win, you know, people want to follow winners and people, you know, that's what attracts, that's why people get paid, you know, hundred million dollars for a contract because it generates excitement, interest and, and, um, you know, when, when the Blue Jackets do win, look out. I think right now we've, we're just on the cusp of, of uh, hockey exploding in this area. Um, I know the high school hockey is not quite there with the top programs, you know, throughout the, the states, but it will get there. Um, and, and, you know, I attribute that to what's going to be the success of the, the Buckeyes and the, the Blue Jackets. And it's going to continue. It doesn't mean that if, if the Blue Jackets don't win a Stanley Cup in the next year or two that the hockey's not going to, you know, thrive it will but when it does like i said look out and 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 even as the natural progression you know the, the organic nature of the game you know when you have ex players that live in town and and coach and grow and you know it's 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 like pardon my expression but it's like a virus you know hockey's very addicting it's 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 contagious and once you get that winning culture and that environment you know integrated into um you know hockey it will become popular hate to keep flip-flopping on you no, however you know it, it it's for, for hockey people it seems like the season just ended I know we've had a few weeks and and you know basically about a month or so but with everything that's going on and, and it's got to still feel like yesterday for you guys what's next for New Albany what's next for your team how do you guys move on from this and 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 what do you think is a, is a key first step in in moving on toward next season well, you know, we're going to have to see how things play out here, of course, over the next couple of weeks to months. I don't know. Um, I'm optimistic that things are going to come back. <laughs> um, and and I, when they do, you know, my first order of business is to um, put, put, put an end of the season, you know, the way that it needs to be for these kids and for the families. And I don't know what that looks like. You know, we're, we're going to do a banquet. I, I, I put together a little highlight video for the guys. But, you know, we're, we're going to move forward. Okay. Like last year was last year. There's nothing we can do about it. It's over with. If, if things would have you know, continued through the state tournament right now, you know, we're working on our schedule and uh, I don't know if uh, coach Varga told you, but our first game next year is going to be against Toledo St. Francis. Um, our preseason game in November, we've already got it scheduled. Um, you know, we're moving forward. And, and coach uh, that was slated to be the, the, the final four game you guys are going to play, right? That's correct. What a great, what a great way to, I don't want to say put, there's no closure to it, but what a great way to, to honor that game is to play it, you know, the next year. I know it's different teams. I get that, but I think that's pretty special what you and uh, coach Varga did there. Yeah. It it just, it it makes really good sense. You know, I'm sure there'll be some type of bragging rights, you know, after that game, but, but it's a good way, good way to truncate what it is right now because we have no control over it, but now we're going to move forward. We're going to move on. And, um, 
So I'm excited about it. I'm certainly thrilled with the season that just just uh, ended, but you know we don't have any control with that, and we don't want to beat a dead horse. So we're going to move on, and we're, we're going to start building for next year. Uh, like you said, it's a you know one season ended and a new new season's beginning. Um, we're we're going to start like we did last year when school's out. You know, middle of May, end of June, we're going to or end of May, we're going to start over our off ice workouts, and and uh, I am excited about what we have coming back. Um, you know, I know we're missing a few pieces of the puzzle right now, but but we'll find it and we'll put them together. But um, I'm excited about next year. I'm excited about last year. So we're ready to move on. Good. Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough for taking the time and coming on uh, the podcast today. We know that good people, hardworking coaches in the high school realm make for good competition and make for good young men and women uh, to be molded. So uh, we're glad that, that you relocated here six years ago, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm not quite sure that Upper Arlington and and Liberty would say the name right now, but uh, I surely know that that the hockey community is. So once again, Coach, thanks for uh, coming on. Uh, it was a great interview, and uh, we look forward to, to following you uh, throughout the next uh, seasons. It's my pleasure, guys, and, and I really appreciate the support, you know, however it works out. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's no uh, animosity for me towards the other programs. I, you know, on, on, on that note, I want to – I, I do want to continue to build hockey in Ohio at the high school level and all levels. And, and, you know, I know that we need to do that together with the other coaches and other programs. And so it's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm, I know that with this comes a little bit more responsibility, which I'm excited about. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled about where New Albany hockey is, but I'm also really thrilled to be a part of this whole movement with Ohio high school hockey and, and hockey in the state of Ohio as a whole so great i appreciate what you guys do you know you know <laughs> i listen to your podcast i listen I, you know read read the publication and, and you know hockey is a tight-knit community you know we're a different breed of people uh so we, we're all family i think we really believe that that's what makes sure. hockey players and hockey you know, people are starting to catch on to that you know the sacrifice and the fiber of, of a hockey player you know take, takes years you know years to develop and and uh so thanks for what you guys do all right, no problem, Coach. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day. All right, guys. What a great sit-down talk with Coach Matt Buss there of the New Albany Eagles. What a what a run they had uh, there at the end. And, and again, we know uh, that it doesn't matter what you do during the first 32 games. What, what happens, what you do the last seven games. And that, that's a proven fact right there. And, um, you know, it's interesting to hear him talk about his last week with, with that team and some of the special things that they got to do. And, you know, that's exciting for them. So it was, it was a good, good talk. It was nice to, to be able to get uh, coach on here. Interesting pass, Mr. Uh, Wisconsin hockey player. That's an impressive stat. One of the things I liked about the interview today with him is uh, his excitement, his energy level, you know, seems to be the theme of today's podcast is positivity. Um, put in adverse situations and how do you handle it? And both of our guests today uh, have proven throughout their careers, through their lives, that, that a good mentality, a good strong mentality, positivity can help you through all of those situations. And it was exciting to hear about the, the, the stretch run for uh, New Albany. Uh, Coach Buss has a good thing going down there, as does all of Columbus. And uh, it was exciting to, to listen to him speak today. Yeah, talking about the the marketplace, like Columbus can uh, will continue to grow as the the pro team gets better and the Buckeyes continue to have their success. 
you know, I look at uh, the programs in like St. Louis. I know I mentioned it on uh, in the interview, but you know, a couple NHL guys stuck around the St. Louis area and just absolutely blew that uh, market up. So, well, hey, another good uh, session today. Two great interviews with Russ Sankowitz and Coach Matt Buss. Uh, a little uh, housekeeping here. Uh, if you like what you're hearing and you, you're interested in getting involved in high school hockey, Springboro High School has an opening for their head coaching job. Uh, you can go to the Ohio High School Athletic Association, ohsaa.org, and apply for the job there. Applications must be put in by the 27th of April. This will do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to our sponsor, the Ohio Hockey Project. You can check out Russ and the Ohio Hockey Project by visiting their web website, ohiohockeyproject.com. Check us out next week, where we will welcome guests, new head coach of the Menor Icebreakers, Sebastian Ragno, as well as Columbus Blue Jackets reporter Aaron Portsline. Continue to grow the game the best that we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest. Mr. Worldwide to infinity, <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We go boogie, oogie, oogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance, <laughs> like the roof on fire. We go drink drinks and take shots until we fall out, like the roof on fire. Now, baby, get my booty naked, take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. Tell her, tell her, baby, 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 I'm on fire. I tell her, baby, 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 I'm a fireball. Oh, 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 o